And we welcome you to the Thursday Morning Show on WGTD. I'm Gregory Berg. I'm really happy to be welcoming to the Morning Show for the first time a faculty colleague from Carthage, Dr. Colleen Palmer, who is Assistant Professor of Communication and Digital Media with a specialty uh, in the field of public relations. We first invited Professor Palmer to join us because she is going to be moderating an event that is coming up a week from today, Thursday, February 29th, uh, a panel discussion sponsored by the Carthage Business and Professional Coalition, and the event is titled Business for a Better World. And uh, Professor Palmer is going to be moderating this panel, which... uh, will be an opportunity for us to hear from some local business leaders and talking about some of the decisions that they have made, some of the choices they've made on behalf of their respective companies to be more environmentally sensitive. And uh, uh, once we have talked about that event, we're, uh, we're going to expand our conversation and talk a bit about the whole field of, of uh, public relations and digital media and what it means to teach in this field, which of course is changed in some really radical ways and rapidly changing ways over the last few years, including probably changes that most of us are not even directly fully aware of. So we have a lot to get to. And uh, Dr. Colleen Palmer, we welcome you to the morning show. Thank you. It's good to be here. Glad we can have this conversation. So uh, before we talk about the event coming up, maybe we could uh, find out a little bit about where you come from originally. And uh, maybe a bit about what drew you into this academic field in the first place. Did anything in particular spark your interest in all of this? Oh, wonderful. I actually am originally from Cincinnati, Ohio, um, but I moved to Kenosha in 2003. So I've been here, well, almost 21 years, (laughs) which is the longest I've lived anywhere in my life. So I would say this is more home than anything has ever been for me. Um, My background, my bachelor's and master's are both in English and literature uh, with a concentration in writing. So I spent many years running writing classes, teaching writing, um, running a publishing company, doing editing for authors locally, all that kind of stuff. And then I started teaching at Carthage 10 years ago this month, actually. And I was handed a public relations writing class, and I absolutely fell in love with the field of public relations. And so I decided to go ahead, and I had been trying to decide what to get my Ph.D. in, and so I decided to get a Ph.D. in media, um, arts, and communication so that I could do a focus in public relations. So that took me down that road about nine years ago, and I've been doing it ever since. Fantastic. So... Kind of snuck in the back door, and here you yeah. are still. That's actually how I started at Carthage uh, a long, 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 long time ago, and I'm um, happy that that uh, worked out. So uh, let's talk about this event that is coming up uh, a week from today, uh, a daytime event, uh, this panel discussion called Business for a Better World. So first of all, tell us uh, all that you know about the purpose of this, uh, of this uh, event and then what your role is going to be. So I will be the moderator. I will be introducing the panel members, and I will be asking them questions before we open it up for a Q&A. So the purpose that I see for this particular event is to help businesses, whether they are small, uh, local Kenosha businesses, or large corporations within Wisconsin, better understand what B Corporation is and the changes that are being made in this field to have more of a social and environmental impact on the communities that they exist within. 
in. So we'll be talking about B Corps. Um, we call it B Corps. It means B Corporation, which means you've had a certification putting you at that level. And uh, it's a whole process that the businesses have to go through in order to pass a bunch of tests to make sure that they are living up to certain examples and certain levels of quality within different fields of their corporation. So in other words, when a company is especially sensitive to environmental concerns, they can earn this designation. And I suppose they can put it on their letterhead and on their billboards and so on and uh, proudly trumpet the fact. And of course, chances are there are plenty of people out in the public who might make certain choices based on whether or not a given company is is a B Corp. Yeah. And actually, what I think is really interesting about B Corp is um, we hear the word environmental and we do sort of think like, oh, they have to be doing something, you know, for the environment um, as far as like recycling or taking care of, you know, waste or s- stuff like that. Not all of these corporations, in fact, uh, a couple of the ones that we're going to talk to at the panel have anything to do with contributing to environment in that sense. But what they have to do is prove that they are working towards making a better environment. So it could be something along the lines of who are your distributors? Who are you buying your product from? Are they a fair trade company? Are they making sure that the people who work for them are not child labor? You know, the, mm. those kind of laws are being met. Um, they really look at the B Corps certification looks at five different elements. So number one is the customers. Um, are you putting out a quality product or service? Are you using ethical marketing? Uh, are you protecting the data of the particular customers that you're working with? Um, The second one is the environment, which, of course, looks at air, climate, water, land, biodiversity. Um, So definitely how is what is your impact upon that? And so who are you choosing to work with? Who are, again, those distributors? Uh, Where is your leftover product going? All that kind of stuff. Um, The third one is governance, which is social uh, environmental impact on ethics, how transparent you are as a company, um, how much you're considering your stakeholders needs. The fourth one is your workers. Do they have financial security, health and safety, wellness, uh, career development, that kind of thing? And then finally is your community. How are you engaging um, with and impacting the community that the business is in? So things like charitable giving, DEI initiatives, economic impact, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, the social and environmental definitely go hand in hand within this one. Right. So I, so it's actually, in, in some sense, a, an even broader term, really socially conscious might be another yes. way to, to yes. think about it then. Absolutely. And it's a rigorous test that they go through, a rigorous process that they go through in order to qualify to be a B Corp. So who are the business leaders that are actually going to be comprising this panel that you will be moderating next Thursday? Uh, Well, we have three coming next Thursday. Um, First is Kimberly Kane. Kimberly is the president and CEO of Kane Communications, which is in Milwaukee. And she's an award-winning journalist. She really focuses on strategic communication plans for organizations, helping them build up some of that PR as well as the press that they're getting. Uh, the second one is Russ Klish. He is the owner of uh, Lakefront Brewery. So uh, he's an award-winning brewer. Um, he obviously started Lakefront quite a few years ago. I'm sure many of you have heard of Lakefront. And there's really good things that he's done with that brewery, but he's also really a good innovator of new programs. So they are the first organically certified brewery, and, mm. the, and they have the first 
uh, government-approved gluten-free beer that's ever been made. Wow. It's kind of cool. Um, and then Kurt Brenkus is our third one. Um, Kurt is from Indigenous Pact. He is the co-founder of Indigenous Pact, which he founded with his wife. His wife and children are part of the Oneida tribe of Indians in Wisconsin. So they founded this organization in order to help with health, health equity among Native Americans, Native Alaskans, uh, as they were finding difficulty kind of navigating the Indian health services that are available uh, to the people of our country. Hmm. Very good. So uh, I suspect this is something you've done before, this kind of thing, this sort of moderating uh, matter. Uh, Are there particular things that are uh, about it that are that are challenging or and or fun or I mean how much do you look forward to an opportunity like this oh I very much look forward to it I think it's really fun for me because I I, I'm a lifelong learner I never stop learning I love to learn so I look at it as an opportunity to not only learn myself but also get other um, knowledge out to people within the community so I think that's just Mm. an amazing opportunity in the past, I, I honestly don't expect very many challenges with this group. We were able to meet over Zoom the other day, and everyone seems very much on the same page as far as what they want to offer to the audience and the message that's getting across. In the past, I, there have been difficulties with moderating because you always have that one loud voice in the room mm. that wants to be heard more than anyone right, else. Right, right. So the challenge with moderating is kind of helping there be a balance amongst the group. Right, so we um, hear from everybody. Yes, exactly, exactly. So uh, what? who is this event primarily intended for? I mean, do you suspect that even just kind of a member of the general public would find this to be interesting and or beneficial, or is this a, a little more geared towards people who, who actually own businesses or in who are in a position to make decisions about the place where they work? Honestly, I think that it could be of interest to anyone within the community. I do know that as of the other day, I think as of Tuesday, there were 120 people signed up to attend this event, which is very nice. Mm. And I expect that there will be a few more. Many of them are locals who own businesses or nonprofits within the Kenosha Racing area. So a lot of them are coming to find out about different trajectories that they can take their business in to kind of understand what this new way of looking at business, this new model in a way is for them. Very good. So for people who are interested in attending next Thursday, do you have any information on what they should do? I mean, in, in order to, is this something you register for? And, uh... Yes, you should register for it because they, there is a lunch included, as well as we need to make sure we have enough seats, obviously. Mm. Um, so seating and lunch included. And I believe if you go to the Carthage website, you would be able to find the link to register for this. Very good. For those of you just joining us, I'm speaking today with a faculty colleague from Carthage College, Dr. Colleen Palmer, Assistant Professor of Communication and Digital Media. And what prompted this invitation is that Professor Palmer is going to be moderating a panel discussion uh, a week from today, February 29th, uh, with people sort of coming through the door at 1130, the event itself starting at 12 noon uh, in the Todd Weir Center, uh, Business for a Better World. And uh, Professor Palmer will be moderating a conversation, a panel discussion with three different uh, business leaders whose respective companies have earned this designation of, of B Corps uh, because of being uh, socially conscious in various facets of their uh, operation. Uh, Professor Palmer, I 
found it really interesting to kind of look through the list of courses that you teach at uh, at Carthage, and and very much your your focus is on on public relations. Uh, I wonder if we could just uh, explore a little bit about the field. And, and particularly, of course, how it's changed. First of all, how would you define for just the, the, the common person what we mean by public relations? And especially what do we mean by that term public relations when it comes to this academic field? Public relations. So when you're looking at getting a message out about what your company is, uh, whether it's a for-profit or nonprofit, when you're looking at that, we, we have some very fine lines between a few terms. We have public relations, marketing, advertising. They kind of Mm. blend into each other a little bit. Uh, The way we look at it is advertising is paid. The business is paying for it. They're putting out this communication. It's very one-way communication. You're not getting a lot of feedback. Um, So if you think about a billboard going up on the side of the road, the, the news is out there about your business or your product, but we're not necessarily talking to anybody. When we're talking about marketing, we're really looking at, about getting the product into the hands of people. So that can be anything from giving away samples to you know giving away coupons. Like how are we going to get people to actually pick up this product uh, and take this into consideration in their life? And then public relations, which obviously, since I teach it, is my favorite, (laughs) um, is about building a relationship with your audience. So not just getting them to try the product, not just getting them to see that you exist, but actually developing a conversation and a relationship with them so that this business, uh, your business, your product, your service, whatever it might be, uh, can be adopted within their life, that they feel like you care about them as an organization. And therefore, it's driving loyalty, it's driving engagement, uh, and, you know, we're thinking about how we're giving back as a company, but also how we can react to the feedback that we're getting from um, our customers, our citizens within the area, all that kind of stuff. So it's very, it very much comes down to that relationship word. It's all about building a relationship with the public. So are just about all companies, for-profit companies, engaged in the business of public relations? I mean, because I think sometimes we out in the public – uh, only think of, of certain kinds of companies, I mean, who sell name brand products with which we might make all these associations and so on. And we don't always think about the plumber down the street or something like that engaging in, in public relations. Does public relations happen, in a sense, all the time with all companies? Or, or is this really a, a more significant part of certain kinds of companies? It should be happening all the time with all companies. Mm. (laughs) So the history, and I'll do this really quick, but the history of public relations goes back to the early 1900s. Actually, I mean, we can trace it all the way back to the Romans and stuff like that, the the ideas of public relations. But public relations as a field really begins around the early 1900s. And for about the first, like, 100 years – it really carried a negative connotation. People associate it with things like P.T. Barnum of the Barnum Circus mm. um, and the kind of propaganda that would be put out there. So it had this kind of negative connotation of spinning a story. Mm. So a lot of people still think of when they hear the word public relations, they think about spinning the truth, not telling the truth. Um, About 25, 30 years ago, we really started to change the field and change the way we were looking at our business practices. And it became all about telling the truth, 
always being um, forefront with the information, always being transparent with our information. Uh, really, again, that trustworthy interaction with our customers. So what we see is for a larger corporation, Almost all larger corporations usually have PR, whether they have PR um, public relations within within the house of their business or whether they hire a PR firm to make those interactions with their with their customers. Um, that can vary depending on the organization. But we're still seeing that a lot of companies, especially when you get down to smaller organizations or nonprofits, when they tend to think about public relations is when the crisis hits. Mm. And public relations people are the ones who come in when something goes wrong and kind of talk the business through, how do we not lose everything? Do we make an apology? Like, what are we going to do to handle this situation? Uh, what kind of response do we have to the public? And that tends to be sort of that mark where, where businesses are like, oh, we actually need some PR people. And actually, you kind of need to be thinking PR-wise from the very beginning mm. um, because it's all about strategic communication. And I think that's the key there is strategic communication. So not just, like I said before, not just, oh, I've opened a business, I've put some ads out, and I'm hoping that this is going to stick with the community and people are going to come and they're going to spend their money. Um, that's great. That, you know, that kind of you know, lets people know that you even exist. But why would I go to you? For instance, if I've lived in Kenosha for, like I said, almost 24 years, I obviously, for myself, even have the regular spots that I go, right? Mm -hmm. The places that I like to go to, that I'm very comfortable with. People know my name there. I know what to expect from them. This new business opens down the street, and why would I want to make that change? Why would I want to try out a new business? Um, and that all comes down to how you're communicating with me, what kind of story you're telling about yourself, how you're placing yourself into my world, into my life, how you're showing me that I could be part of that particular business um, as a customer. So a lot of strategically thinking through how we're going to communicate, including thinking through what we might do uh, if we need to have crisis communication. Right. In fact, I noticed that one of the courses you teach at Carthage is crisis communication. Yes. And that's, I suppose, earmarked for the, that moment when one of your products gets recalled or or some scandal envelops your, yep. your CEO or who knows what. But, uh, but I, I, I see what you're saying about how uh, the wisest companies are the ones that already have a strong Yes. PR presence and good connection with the community. So it makes it probably more possible for them to weather. Yeah, crises, absolutely. Crises, absolutely. It's kind of like, like I tell my students, it's like building up a bank of trust. So mm. the more I can have that good conversation, that good communication with my audience, and I'm building up that bank of we trust you, we trust you, we trust you. Inevitably, just like in your personal life, there's always going to be something that goes wrong at some point. We just know that. So when the crisis happens, if you've got this huge bank of trust, it might take you down a notch, but it's not going to drop you through the bottom because mm. people are still willing to listen to you. Mm. But if you haven't built that up and then a crisis happens, it's very hard to regain your footing. Right. I was intrigued by when you uh, talked about how the matter of public relations of PR in in companies – can be handled probably in a myriad of ways, but you you kind of summarized it uh, in in the duality of you can have your own PR people within your company, or you can have a PR firm from outside yes. that uh, that does your PR for you. And I'm really intrigued by that distinction. It never really occurred to me, but as you stated, of course, that happens all the time. 
But I, I wonder uh, how difficult is it for somebody, in a sense, from the outside to do PR on, on behalf of a, of a third party? And how much does that change the nature of what they do or how they do it? That's a good question. I actually don't think it really changes the nature too much. Um, the number one thing that we do in PR, like of anything that we begin for strategic communication plans, anything that we're looking at is research. Mm. So when they're getting, when a PR firm might be handling something for a company, they are immersing themselves in the research that goes behind everything that's been developed by that company, who they've been in the past. Uh, we need to know that stuff because we need to know what kind of personality the company has. We need to know, um, for instance, have they had crises before? How was mm. it handled? How was that taken care of? As well as like, let's say you run a, I don't know, a tractor company, right? And what have other tractor companies across the world um, actually done? When have they had crises? What does that look like? So you learn a ton about whatever company or practice or product it is that you're, that you're working with there. So you kind of become an expert on that particular thing. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the fact that uh, the the PR world, or uh, at least in general, really changed the way it approached its work. Uh, I think you said maybe several decades ago, this change began to 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 be seen or began to be felt. Uh, I'm just curious. I, I don't think you were probably part of that world at that point in time, but uh, what can you tell us about what prompted that change? And in a sense, like where did it come from? I mean, did a couple of notable people kind of stand up and take a stand or, uh, or, or did it happen maybe more incrementally? What, what did that kind of look like as far as you know? So that we have, it's kind of interesting because we have this duality within the history of public relations in the fact that we have two different men who consider themselves the, or self-proclaimed um, fathers of public relations. Ah. So we have Ivy Lee, um, who, when he was writing press releases and things like that in the past for, for PR, working with the media, developing the stories for companies, he was very transparent. It was much more like, here's the facts of what happened. Here's what we're going to do to improve situations. Um, you know, the kind of stuff that we would more expect today. At the same time, we had Edward Bernays, who considers himself, he was a self-proclaimed father of mm. public relations. He was actually the nephew of Sigmund Freud. Ah, so he wow. had a lot of looking at kind of how do we work with the mind um, and how mm. do we work with people's personalities. As in, I think, almost anything in life, <laughs> kind of the negative takes more of the audience. Um, you know, we pay more attention to it. Sure. So Edward Bernays had some campaigns that he did under the name of public relations that really garnered a lot of attention. One was getting women to smoke, um, you know, getting mm. women to actually take up cigarettes and, and begin smoking. Um, he also worked to get bacon to be considered like a breakfast food as a healthy part of a, you know, big round breakfast for us. Um, so he changed a lot of the narrative on some of these everyday things. And, but it was more along the lines of propaganda. So I think around that time, we mm. were really trying to figure out, kind of like I mentioned P.T. Barnum, 
he did a lot of propaganda, right? Like I've got this mermaid, I've got the, you know, bearded lady, whatever, Mm -hmm. these things that might not really exist, Mm -hmm. but we're kind of putting them out there. So that kind of line between what was a trick, what was propaganda, and what actually is persuasion. And persuasion Mm -hmm. and propaganda are two very, very different things as far as we look at them. Um, And so then around, I want to say like the 1970s, 1980s, we start to see a little bit more looking at our businesses being transparent with us. Are they telling us the truth about what's going on? What is, you know, we've come out of the Industrial Revolution where there was a very hierarchical structure in leadership. And now we're starting to see around, you know, in the mid-1900s, we're starting to see people question, like, what is my role here? How honest are you being with me? Um, How can I become more involved? How can I understand more what this business is about? Rather than just following an order of here's what I have to do. I clock in at 9, I do this clock out at five and I'm gone. So mm. much more about that purpose-driven work, much more about, like I said, transparency with the audience, telling them the truth and getting that story out there. And of course, with social media, it's just flown off off the charts. So, Well, I wanted to ask you about that. And uh, this is as good a time as any, I suppose. Uh, so what do you see as the major role of social media when it comes to the matter of public relations and is it a valuable tool is it a tool that often gets misused or misunderstood i mean what how has that changed this arena so public relations i'm um, i'm sorry social media has changed everything honestly over the last like 20 years or so Um, especially for the field of public relations in fact it's made the field even more in demand Mm. so if you look at the bureau of labor statistics public relations is actually the fastest growing field in the country um, up until the year they're projecting like 2030, 2034, like within that period. So Mm. it's a very good time to get into public relations because there's such a demand for it. So again, if you think about like what I was saying before, I might put out an advertisement, a billboard, um, a, a commercial. That was very one way communication. I'm putting the message out to you. I'm never hearing what you have to say about it. Social media changed all that because now I can put things out there or even not put something out there and you can go on and you're a publisher and you have a voice and you can tell me what you think about all of my product and my services and my business. Hmm. Um, So it's put a huge demand on companies to have much more interaction and communication with their customers than ever existed before. Because there are so many more channels or more readily available channels for customers to communicate with companies. And, you know, you're, you're right. I mean, I suppose, you know, 50 years ago when somebody didn't like what Crest toothpaste tasted like, you just lived with that. Or maybe you'd sit down and write a letter to somebody, but with Yeah, like very, a letter to someone at Crest. Right. And then with, they send you a response. Maybe, <laughs> you know, maybe. I mean, uh, and maybe not. I mean, I would think you'd write a letter with very low expectations about that ever leading to anything. And, of course, now... When we, uh, especially when we feel displeasure about anything or anyone, uh, we just assume that there is some link to click on uh, in order to make our voice heard. And it's something we uh, expect and and insist on. on, on, And not even just a link. But I mean, if let's say I don't like Crest, which I do in case Crest is listening. (laughs) Um, But let's say, you know, I don't like a product or a service or whatever. I can just post it on my own Facebook post, right? I don't even have Mm. to go to the business. I can just start talking about how I feel about it. Um, Although, 
you know, we hear this word influencer and we think of it with of people who have like sort of a power to tell mm. people what to do. But honestly, we're all influencers. So I have, what, 600 friends on Facebook? Friends, you know, kind of being a loose term sometimes when sure. you get to 600. But once I start talking about, oh, I went to this local business and the service was terrible, I've got 600 people who are looking at that and reading that and making decisions based off of what I said. And then it can develop from there. You know, somebody might comment um, that they also had a bad experience. And next thing you know, we've started a group for people who are having bad experiences at this particular business and, you know, kind of starting like a grassroots movement to shut this business down. So, it, or get to to change or get them to change yeah. yeah so it's just we've all there's benefits to the fact that we can share this information so rapidly of course but there's also a lot of crises that can arise which is where pr oftentimes comes in as well i was going to say because what you describe almost makes it sound like this is all being taken over by regular citizens absolutely and 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 maybe in a t- to some degree that's true but that doesn't mean that the work of PR professionals uh, is over. And if anything, just the nature of what they have to do has changed in this new environment. Is that absolutely, fair to say? Absolutely. Yeah. The, the work of PR is definitely not over. It's definitely growing by the minute. Um, one, you need PR people who are paying attention to what we call social media listening. So when we do social media listening, we're watching for any news, any keywords that might tie back to our business or our product or whatever, so that we can address those things before a crisis arises from it. So you need PR people for that. You need to have that strategic plan of if somebody posts a bad review? You know, am I going to have an interaction with them? When is the right time to interact with that kind of customer? When do I need to not have an emotional reaction or not Mm. talk to them? Um, If I want to put out something, you know, that we're trying something new or we're starting a new business, um, storytelling is the number one word right now in public relations. Mm. So what we're seeing, especially with the emerging generation, the Generation Z, which is now moving into being our main consumers, you know, our workers that are coming into the field, everything like that they can spot an ad a mile away. They are sick of being advertised to. This is something they've had since they were you know, born, basically, with, with all the media that's out there. Uh, what they want is to feel like they matter to the corporation. Mm. So what story are you telling me as a business that lets me know that you care about me as an individual? Um, and so that's the strategic communication PR aspect that can come in there. Right. So... What is the relationship between what you were just talking about and what we think of as advertising and advertising campaigns? Are they the same thing or are they related or are they actually quite distinct from each other? They're, they're actually kind of uh, distinct from one another in the fact that, especially when it comes down to money. So advertising costs a lot of money mm. for a business. Public relations, although public relations people get paid quite well, public relations oftentimes is low cost, if not free, for a business. Mm. Okay. Because we're working at getting other media organizations to cover your business. We're having conversations on social media, all that kind of stuff um, that doesn't necessarily cost the business anything. And that's something all also that we're seeing the audience be very distinct about. They don't want to feel like you're just pushing money in order to get them to spend money. 
they want to feel like again you're you're having a conversation with them. Um, I think that advertising is still really important though because the number one thing you have to do as a business or organization is let people know you exist. Like how do we mm. even know that this particular thing is out there? And we're not going to know unless you advertise it or put it out there in some way that's going to reach the masses. Interesting. So once you get it out there though, Again, that's where I see a lot of businesses sort of fail at their job is is the fact that they get it out there and then they expect it just to sit on its own and create its own buzz. And that's just not what happens anymore, especially with social media where I'm I mean, if I scroll through Instagram, I can see like 70 different businesses in two minutes. Right. Mm. So if I don't like your story, I don't like your images. I don't like what you're telling me. I'm just on to the next one. And there's so many options available to me. Right. I guess that's part of what makes all of this especially complicated and challenging is that, in a sense, it is a much more crowded world. And, uh, and so the whole matter of PR, of creating some kind of voice that cuts through all of that, uh, I should think, is exceedingly challenging and more challenging by the day. Absolutely. Uh, we call it noise. There's just so much noise out there. How does our voice cut through for our particular business, right? And it does become more challenging by the day because we also have to be very aware of every single social media platform that's coming out, how people are relating to it, which generations are on different ones. Uh, mm. You know, what kind of conversation would I have with my consumers on Facebook versus what kind of conversation I'm going to have with my consumers on TikTok? Um, you mm. know, based on the generation that's there, what are they looking for in life? What are their fears and concerns, all of that kind of psychological aspect, sociological aspect, all that stuff that goes behind it. Wow. So when you are teaching about this, particularly the the, the last matter uh, about the role of social media in PR, I'm, I'm sure it's interesting for you to be teaching this to young people at Carthage who already to, to quite an extent, I should think, have have a fluency that probably you and I do not naturally come by just being, uh, well, I'm older than you are, but I mean, neither of us probably are just quite as fluent in this world uh, unless we have made a concerted effort to study it as you have. But I, I guess I'm just asking, it It must be interesting to teach these students who are so deeply immersed in the world of social media to be teaching them maybe a different kind of literacy or understanding about it that 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 they might not no, for for as much as they live in social media all the time. 100%. I, I, you hit the nail right on the head, actually, there. So they technologically um, know because they've been raised with this. So th- they know how it works. They, you know, they know where to find the information they want to go for. Um, so the class discussion much more is about how do we, again, strategic communication. How do we actually take what's there and make it into that conversation or that communication we want it to be rather than just throwing things out there and hoping it sticks? So I would say everybody today um, who's running a business, who's a student, anything. We all know that we have to put things out on social media if we're going to get attention for anything. Like it has to be out there somewhere, right? Um, but what are we doing to make that actually work for the people who are listening? Right. And of course, the, the thing with social media that I find interesting too is that uh, when you put something out, for instance, not Facebook is the only one I'm really fluent in at all. So but you know when i want people to come to my concert or to you know whatever to know about something i can send that out to my friends and i feel like i've sent it out into the world and of course i've sent it out into my 
little circle. world, <laughs> my circle. And when it comes to expanding beyond that circle, that's when it gets tricky. And we I talk think. a lot about that because that is one of the issues that social media has actually caused um, a problem with in you know within our society. Uh, right now, as, as you probably know, we live in one of the most politically divisive times in history for our country. Um, and a big part of that, and this is just an illustration, but we tend to surround, it's, it's human nature. We want to surround ourselves with people and information that we're comfortable with, that we already agree with. It's, mm. it's not I don't want to be challenged every second as a human being to have to make decisions or think through what you're telling me or, you know, we like to stay within our bubble in a way, even though yeah. we, we don't necessarily want to say that about ourselves. So that's a big part of the challenge for companies, too, is how do I break through that bubble? Like I, I kind of mentioned before, as a citizen of Kenosha for 24 years, I have the places I like to go. How do you break through that bubble? How do you tell me that something's worth changing my mind about or adopting a new product or a new service. Right. It reminds me of the fact that, I mean, like earlier on, we kind of talked about billboards. And, and of course, it's hard to think of a more old-fashioned way of advertising and getting your word out than a billboard. And yet, on the other hand, there's kind of a magic to a billboard. Yeah. Because, you know, if you have a billboard on Sheridan Road, you know, I don't even know how many thousands and thousands of cars are driving past. And if you want to break past your circle of Facebook friends or whatever, I mean, in, in some respects, something as analog and old-fashioned as a billboard is a way to do it. And in some ways, you wish that there was, in the social media world, something that, that acts like a billboard does. Yeah, and like I said, it's still that advertising is still important because how do I even know you exist right. you know, if there's not an advertisement? Um, so it's our kind of first way of reaching our audience. Do you know who we are? Do you know that we're here then once I get you to get past that point of like recognition and awareness, then I can start having the conversation with you and right. start telling you the story and you know working with you. And I should think that uh, as you are working with your students, uh, your your primary interest, of course, is in training them for this field. I'm sure that's their primary interest in studying all this. But I suppose at the same time, uh, you are also f- helping them to become in a sense, more seasoned, more savvy as consumers to understand the way uh, companies interact with the public in this matter of, of PR. I mean, even for them just as consumers, if they never go into the world of PR professionally at all, they're probably learning a lot that's very valuable. Absolutely. And I think that's just sort of a byproduct of what we look at. I mean, we just last week looked at the Super Bowl commercials, for instance, right? Ah. So we're not in advertising, but we looked at the Super Bowl commercials to see which ones really hit with their target audience. Like, how did they tell their story? What, how did they make their connection with the audience? What was the key message they were putting out there? The way they did it? Did it actually work? And then there were quite a few Super Bowl ads that either fell flat or caused controversy. So why did they cause controversy? What was it that, you know, where were they tone deaf to what the needs of the public were? Um, So it causes them, the students, to think about things in a very different approach than they might have before they were doing this stuff. Interesting. I think of a company like Chick-fil-A that, uh, among other things, uh, not only sells what a lot of people think of as delicious food, but also have taken certain stands in terms of for instance, uh, at least my understanding is that some of their employment practices are, are not progressive when it comes to matters of the LBGT uh, community. And uh, so now when you see uh, Chick-fil-A commercials, uh, the story 
that is being told, as far as I can tell, is we are a, a company uh, that loves people and 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 uh, we appreciate it when our employees are kind yep. uh, to our customers and and it is about kindness and compassion and sweetness and love and and uh, the clear- everyday person they care about the everyday person right. those commercials where they've got the couples you know they're having a baby or the teacher who um, her students wrote thank yous to Chick-fil-A it's like i can put myself into those shoes and know that they care about me as an individual instead of the anti-LGBTQIA, you know, kind of conversation that happened for years where it felt like they were way over here as a corporation and I'm way over here as a citizen. Right. It's interesting the decisions that a corporation makes in part, I mean, uh, for the many, many customers out there who who actually have no objection whatsoever to that stance that they have oh, yeah. taken uh, and you don't want to alienate, in a sense, your base, if you will. And at the same time, you want to make sure that you are maybe telling some kind of other story that runs parallel or counter to this other narrative. I mean, I'm only raising it that particular example just to say that it can be a complicated matter in terms of of what is our story and is there this other story we also want to tell and, and how do we balance the two. Uh, yeah, we've spent a lot of time over the last year looking at uh, Budweiser, the Bud Light stuff that they the company has gone through when they sent um, beer cans to Dylan Mulvaney, who is a um, – she is trans. And so as a trans woman, they sent her uh, beer cans with her face on them. And then she talked about it on social media. Bud Light has traditionally been mo- much more of a conservative side of the line um, as far as their – excuse me, as far as their customer base, everything like that. So then they made this really drastic U-turn over here um, to the LGBTQIA um, like uh, audience. Sorry, forgot mm-hmm. the word there. To their audience. And then when people got upset about that, they actually came out and said, well, we're not going to really um, make a decision either way. We really don't want to be part of this conversation. So they ended up alienating both sides of their audience, which is what helped their stock really crash and burn. So So interesting. So so that's part of what we're talking about here is a company, I suppose, making a decision or or coming to an understanding about who they are, what they want to represent. Yes. And then, uh, and then also understanding the potential consequences of yep. taking a stand, pro or con, or whatever it 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 might be. And uh, I, I think a lot of us, when we think about the world of PR, we're not thinking about those kind of weighty decisions that have yeah. to be part of this. And that's that's the big thing is that strategic thinking, that strategic planning, really thinking through what is my key message? How am I going to get it across? What kind of conversations am I going to have? Who's going to be against this? How am I going to have a conversation with them? Uh, you know, what do I stand for as a company? A lot more going into it than just like 100 years ago, just putting out an advertisement and hoping people buy it. Right. By the way, I wanted to ask you about uh, another course that you teach at Carthage, um, and that is mass communication. Yes. So when you are teaching that course, what is sort of at the heart of it? Uh, what What is the 
the, the main thing that you are exploring with your students? So I don't teach that one as much anymore because I teach all the PR classes, mm. um, which takes up a full load for sure. me every semester. Um, but mass communication was actually my introduction class at Carthage. It's the first class mm. I was hired to teach. Yeah. And I loved it, loved it, loved it. Um, and it's a, it's very much about media literacy mm. and kind of understanding. Um, so for, for when I taught it, and I believe the way it's still taught, but we looked at a lot of the history of communication. So basically, how did we go from, um, you know, how do we begin the printed word? How do we go into newspapers? How did that become, you know, into radio, to television, to movies, all these different stages in the history. Um, but also, what are the sort of I hate to use the word hidden messages, but what are kind of the underlying messages within media that are being put out there that we're buying into because it's what we see and we're not always examining the underlying currents, the the thoughts coming down from the CEOs of the company, you know, all that kind of stuff that can go into actually determining what kind of programming or what's involved in the programming. Right. And I suppose when we're talking about mass communication, we just think about the term we're talking about some kind of communication that is not one-on-one. Exactly. I mean, it's communicating to a wide swath of the public, and yet if it's done in a effective way, you feel like... It like, determines like, how we look at the world. Right. Well, and, and you feel like Johnson & Johnson is talking to me. Or, or whoever or whatever is talking directly to me. And uh, it's so interesting. And, of course, it's it's part of our everyday world, and yet something we tend to take for granted and not 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 think about enough. Well, this has all been so much fun. I want to circle back, though, uh, before we finish to have you uh, remind our listeners about the event which prompted this invitation in the first place, this uh, panel discussion that you will be uh, that you will be uh, leading or monitoring, uh, moderating, I should say, on uh, on uh, Thursday, February 29th, one one week from today, Business for a Better World. Uh, remind our listeners about who is participating in that and uh, uh, who should feel welcome to come. Absolutely. I think anybody should be feeling welcome to come, uh, especially if you have any ties to working within or running a for-profit or nonprofit within the area. Um, I think this would be a really cool opportunity to learn about this kind of new trajectory and how we're looking at business. Uh, the people who are, will be attending are Kimberly Kane from Kane Communications, which is in Milwaukee. It's a PR firm. Russ Klish from Lakefront Brewery, which is in Milwaukee, which is obviously a brewery. Um, and Kurt Brenkus from Indigenous Pact, which is an organization here in Wisconsin that helps with health equity for um, Indian health services and Native Alaskan health services. And although it is a certification that you eventually can obtain as a business, I think that you're going to find a lot of really great hints and ideas about how you can make your business more socially impactful to the area around you, more environmentally impactful um, to the area around you. And we look at corporations as if they're a citizen, right? We call them a corporate citizen. Hmm. So we look at them like they're a person, even though obviously there might be like 300 employees. Um, But we look at them like a person. So what is that person doing to show us that we can trust them, to show us that they care about us? And that's what B Corps, I believe, really achieves for these businesses. Very good. So we encourage people to go to uh, Carthage.edu and seek out more information about this event next Thursday, again called Business for a Better World. 
Well, Professor uh, Colleen Palmer, we've uh, had a lot of fun today, and I realize now I didn't even get to ask you about one of your publications called Pro Football and the Proliferation of Protest. What a fascinating (laughs) topic. And another one that uh, intrigues me is very much... uh, uh, titled The Art of Listening. So yes. maybe at some point we'll have to have you back to uh, talk about some of these uh, various that. areas that you have written about and done research in. And again, uh, uh, Professor Palmer moderates this uh, this business panel that is coming up next Thursday, February 29th. Dr. Colleen Palmer, thank you for being my morning show guest. It was thank great you so to meet much. you and great to have you here. Thank you.